Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast with me, James Dixon. After what seems like an age, wishing you all a very good morning, good afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. And as I said, it feels like an age since I've been behind the microphone recording one of these podcasts. Um, the break can be attributed to uh, a lot of the preparation that myself and the Event uh, Tech Live and the Event Industry News team were putting into uh, organizing Event Tech Live a few weeks ago. Um, in London, of course, we had our five-day Event Tech Live hybrid event that ran in London in person for a couple of days at the start of November, and of course, for five days online as well with our virtual audience. So thank you to everybody who tuned in who attended online uh through the the virtual platform and indeed to all of those people that came to our first in-person event in two years at the truman brewery in london it was fabulous to get back to doing that and um after a two-year break um it took an awful lot of planning an awful lot of execution but um yeah a big shout out to everybody who was involved in that both on the event industry news team at event tech live and all of our partners for uh, for putting that on but um as i said we're delighted to be back we are back well i am back behind the microphone ready for another episode of the event industry news podcast and ready to um to really dive into a load of great subject matter over the next few weeks with six or seven episodes lined up to record before christmas some of which you will hear before you break for the holiday season and some of which will go out in the new year and uh let's get on into this first recording in a while with our guest today and we're going to be talking about video content and specifically how we access all of that vast amount of video content that's been generated particularly in the last 18 months or so to tell us more about what the guys at clipper are up to i'm delighted to say that we welcome onto the show today their co-founder and ceo humphrey chen who joins us from new jersey humphrey a very good morning to you over in new jersey thank you for joining the event industry news podcast yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, so a little background on on Clipper. I mean, the company is about a year and a half old. And, you know, it's, you know, emerging moments occurred when my co-founder, Cindy, basically, you know, shared out loud her wish that she could work down her video backlog. And when I asked her this last May, she's like, yeah, I'm missing all these webinars. I'm missing all these earnings calls. And every weekend I have like many hours to work down. And so as soon as I heard that, a light bulb went off in my head because I knew how to build this. Um, mm. And it builds off my time when I was at Amazon in, in computer vision, heading up key initiatives where we were helping developers to see and hear at scale. So the next thing I did was I reached out to um, Aaron, who, who became my co-founder and CTO, um, and asked if we could do a, a prototype, if he could build a prototype for me, because I knew he had a lot of experience in this. And he's like, wow, this is such a great idea. Why don't we do this for real? Um, and so uh, he told me to put together the business requirements. And so I pulled an all-nighter Memorial Day weekend last <laughs> year. Um, and then I got the money he needed. And, uh, you know, $6.2 million later, here we are. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I love that, that there is the best ideas and the, the, the certainly when it comes from uh, to a technology um, uh, perspective, the best ideas are often the ones that really come with that instant seed where you know, boom, there's something there. There must be a solution for that. And if there isn't, I've got to find it. 
you know, when you've got to sort of explain and maybe it's a bit more convoluted how somebody came up with an idea, I find they're the ones that maybe historically have not worked as well as the ones that can be attributed right back to that single spark and that single moment in time. And it sounds like you guys really had that. Um, you know, specifically, you know, what what was the person who gave you that spark really trying to do when you talked about them trying to work through a backlog of video content? Um, so, so Cindy was pretty much just wanting to get caught up on the things she cared about. So that meant that only a small percent of the video actually mattered to her and she didn't actually need to like go through the whole thing. And mm -hmm. so she really wanted to get things searchable. And so even though initially we focused our MVP on search, since then we ended up also generating an automated table of contents because that allows Clipper to create a personalized experience because if we have topics and subtopics, people can then pick and choose which sections they want to watch and which sections they want to ignore. And so, you know, from, from that seed of an idea of searching for video, it then blossomed into um, personalization. It then also blossomed into interaction because when we started doing our MVPs with customers, they're like, well, you know, in our all hands meetings or in the event, like we'd like people to react with emojis, with hearts, with, you know, claps. And so that actually is very value added data. So then we added that feature in as well. Um, and then people also wanted stuff to be more actionable. And so we made it more actionable by adding in bookmarks, which means you could save these specific topics um, to your to-do list. And then you could also share them with your colleagues socially so that they can benefit from the fact that you've personally curated the content as well. So let's let's break it down to some of the sort of the key elements and, and make sure that we've got complete clarity for people who are listening to this today so that they know exactly how it works. Because once I understood it, once I looked particularly, I'll draw people's attention to the, the there's a great minute and a half video on your website that really explains um, and how how it works. But I suppose identifying with the fact that we've all been on zoom and teams meetings and except google meets and etc cetera, etc cetera, over the last 18 months and we must have all sat through hours and hours of recorded video meetings and as you pointed out uh, when, when cindy sort of created this light bulb moment with with her sort of pain point some of that content is relevant but a lot of it isn't so let's break it down so first of all when we talk about accessing videos and searching, we're talking about searching for key content that's relevant to the user. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And, and in this case, across a whole event, right? So inside a session is table stakes, but then also being able to find it in across an event, right? So yeah. our original MVP was with reInvent, Amazon's reInvent 2020. We indexed like 20 plus hours of content. And if you were interested in, in every moment where machine learning was discussed, you could search for that and we would bubble up all those moments. And wow. if it was your job to be bringing everybody up to speed on machine learning, you could just watch those moments and you'd actually be fully current. And and this this sounds to me like something that is spectacularly well-placed in today's way that we consume media because people's attention spans have been reduced haven't they that, that 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 that's a that's a scientific fact our attention spans have been trimmed right down and that's because the way that we consume media and consume content now particularly on our mobile devices is that we want shorter clips that offer us instantly what we're looking for rather than uh, having to sort of sit through an hour or two hours worth of content so this really does dovetail with the way that we consume media at the moment doesn't it it does. And I think when you think about it, um, 
The video player hasn't changed over the past 15 years. And yet the amount of video has like gone up orders and orders of magnitude. And so the fact that there are no tools to allow for someone to more efficiently consume video is like hugely frustrating for a lot of people. So this isn't a solution looking for a problem. It's a very real problem. And the thing that, um, you know, for us, the, the goal is to get the word out because people didn't even know this was possible. So they couldn't even wish for it because, you know, it's one of those things where once you understand it, then you know it, you need it, and you want it, and you can begin to prioritize it. Um, but it isn't one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like one of the situations with like the dishwasher machine. Everyone is washing dishes manually, and then suddenly the dishwasher comes out, and it's like, oh, you can hit a button and wash the whole thing. It's like magic. But nobody was imagining that kind of thing. And so that stuff took a long time for people to adopt. But in this case, you know, events like Event Tech Live are important for us to like get, you know, mindshare around what's possible and then for us, you know, we've been making it as easy as possible for people to ingest video into Clipper, which is why, like, we actually allow uploading into Clipper now for free um, for both event organizers and platforms, because we realize that if you uh, you're, you're in the best position to appreciate what Clipper does when you see your own content enriched by Clipper. If you see other content, you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. But when you send up your own content, you're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Um, of course. And so we don't want to have any speed bumps that prevent adoption from occurring. And so now we view uploading as like a marketing expense. Absolutely. And and the uh, I suppose a few points that I can extract from that. The closest I've seen so far on a platform like YouTube, for example, is where content creators on YouTube in their description of the video may put in key timed moments in their particular episode so that if you want to, you can scroll to it. But ultimately, there's no quick way to do that. You can embed certain sort of lines in there, but most of the time you still find yourself scrolling across the screen with your finger to find that particular time coded moment that they're referencing. There's no quick and easy way to just click and and, and, and do that. Yeah, um, well, and, and so with Clipper, I mean, um, in the YouTube example, they are asking the content owners to add in those key moments. So yeah. that's a manual process. Um, in our situation, we're automatically generating them. So there's no need for, for anybody to add that. And in fact, if you were to import a YouTube video that already had those chapters added, we can actually leverage that as well. Um, mm -hmm. And so for us, um, one of the features that we have inside of Clipper that's quite powerful is something we call Smart Skip. Because when we generate the full table of contents, some people are going to look at the full table of contents and just watch, you know, maybe 5% of what they want. They, only, they might determine they only need 5% of the content. Um, but, you know, it, it's just kind of one of those things where, um, you know, it, we also want people to efficiently browse and skim. And so if someone wants to efficiently skim, they can use what we call smart skip. So if they're listening to a specific topic, and they're already bored by it, they can just hit the next topic and go to the next topic. So there's no need to do plus 10, plus 10, plus 10, plus 10. But you know, if you wanna do you know, 2X and you know, do plus 10 and smart skip, we allow you to like very efficiently skim as well as um, you know, very efficiently hunt. And you know, the same way there are two different types of shoppers, hunters and gatherers, um, there's also two different types of learners. And so um, we, we support both learning, learning modes. Mm. And, and is the technology that's driving Clipper in terms of the, the, the AI or the algorithms behind it, is it, is it searching for keywords within a video? Is it if somebody has 
uh, got a visual element to their presentation as well, like a PowerPoint or a, a keynote? Are they, is the technology also searching for visual uh, clues? How, how yes. is the technology working in the background? V1 of our search was just keywords. V2 is going to allow for searching for emojis and reactions and sentiment, as well as um, you know, select content from, from slides. And so mm -hmm. V1 was just like getting it started because we wanted to get the table stakes search in place. Um, and so for us, the majority of what our AI does is audio understanding with selective supplementation of computer vision. Because as you, as you probably know, the computer vision and GPUs are quite expensive. So we don't want to have computer vision applied to 60 minutes of video. We want to use the audio cues to inform when we selectively go in and when we um, and when we don't. Yeah, and and again, when I was talking about how this technology instantly, to my mind anyway, dovetails with how we consume media, it also dovetails perfectly perfectly with the way that events have had to adapt in the last 18 months. You know, th th yeah. this is this is coming along at a time where suddenly after years of needing convincing certain event organizers have had they've had their hand forced and they've had to go hybrid. They've had to go online. They've had to video more, produce more video content. They've had to stream out, you know, content from their live events to people who may want to dial in from a remote location. So suddenly we're faced with this situation where the events industry is literally producing 10 times probably more video content than it was 18 months ago. Yeah, absolutely. And so when people talk about 365 and building the community in between events, Clipper can totally do that, right? And so mm. the, the key to its success is if you have someone that's focused on re-engaging with the content, then you can drive the re-engagement, you can measure the re-engagement, and then you can benefit from the re-engagement. And so just getting everything clippered doesn't mean that uh, everyone's going to suddenly show up. It, mm. it, it's still a byproduct of someone's priorities and someone's metrics. And so this like re-engagement uh, role, which is still just emerging, is the kind of role that is needed in order to make 365 a reality and, and not like an aspirational dream. Sure. Uh, one thing that um, got me very curious when I was looking at, at the technology is, is its ability to work with generating um, revenue streams for, for organizers and events. And the way I looked at it is from a content marketing point of view, video content is great. We know that. And having a video of a, uh, a conference session, for example, that took place at your in-person event, lovely. That gives you the opportunity as a content marketer for that event to maybe tweet a video or it put an Instagram link out to, the, to that particular video of that session and say, watch it back again. But with Clipper, you probably face now with a scenario where one video might be able to generate you 15 or 20 unique links specific to certain content elements that were delivered within that one session. So suddenly you're taking that one video and giving yourself 20 new opportunities to yep. put to put media out there. Is that something that you guys were conscious of and that you think people could be yeah, utilizing longer term? I mean, where, where we're headed with Clippers Advanced Analytics is lead generation and leads that could actually be exported into HubSpot and into Salesforce so that you can follow up on, on these like opportunities. Um, and those opportunities will be measured based on the scoring of like how engaged they were around the specific video itself. And so, yeah, w without a doubt that that ends up being like a really, uh, a really critical component of our strategy, because 
when you have people re-engaging with the content, you know what they're thinking. And if you know what they're thinking, they're actually going to welcome you going to them because they're thinking about it. Um, yeah. And so it's not, it's not invasive, it's not intrusive, um, and it's actually welcomed. And so it just allows event platforms to, to better serve their, their event organizers. It also allows the event organizers to have tools that allow them um, you know, to, to better serve their members as well. Absolutely, because you know straight away I can see a scenario where, as an event organizer, you if, if you've got you know fifty videos that have been generated as a result of your your event, but you can see the Clipper analytics that show you've had you know a thousand searches for this particular subject matter or this particular topic within those videos. Straight away, that's giving you a great a bit of ammunition to go to sponsors, to go to potential exhibitors, people who could be involved in your event next time to say, look, you work in this area and look how many times this particular area was searched for within our videos. You know, this is a great opportunity. Yep. Yep. Agree. And one thing that uh, is also on our roadmap is um, we're thinking about adding the ability for speakers to claim their speaker profile on Clipper. And so if they do that and people react to their video inside a Clipper, they'll actually get notified in LinkedIn that someone reacted. So suddenly what normally would have just been a silo from an event or an event platform suddenly can bleed over into the event platforms. And so it clearly will follow all the policies um, and privacy rules associated with the content, but it allows for the network effect to occur, which you know today we, we don't candidly benefit enough from. Mm. Let me ask about um, the sort of the, the delivery time, if we can call it that. Um, again, just to give some context to people who are listening to this today so that they can maybe identify how it could sit within their event. Um, and if we take Event Tech Live as an example, you know, we had content stages at the in-person event in London um, and the content on those stages was being streamed out via the event platform for people to, to watch and tune into from a remote location. Um when Clipper is sat within an events, you know, a, a virtual platform or online presence, does it work in real time to generate the uh, the sort of the, the the bookmarks, you know, the the the, the elements that um, people can then access? So, is it available pretty much instantly once a session is finished? <clears throat> well, I would say that um, so we we operate in both synchronous and asynchronous modes. Um, initially, we started off purely asynchronously, which meant people had to record the video. Then they had to upload it or ingest it into Clipper, and then we enrich it, and then we provide the the, the personalizable view. Mm -hmm. um, since that time, um, we now have what we call Clipper Simul Live, mm -hmm. which allows Clipper to play in the real time world. And the reason we called it Simul Live is that a lot of times big keynotes are pre recorded in advance of the actual session, mm -hmm. so we can actually get a copy of it in advance, enrich it, and. We, since we want to leverage the captive audience that, um, that, that the event has generated, we don't want people to be skipping and skimming during a live event, right? However, we do want them to react. And if they react, that metadata will persist and overflow into the um, asynchronous version of the, of the Clipper player for that, for that session. And so what happens in that exact session, um, if someone had pre-recorded it, then you're right, it would look instantaneous because we already did the enrichment before. We flip mm -hmm. a switch, the live session is done. Now, now, now post the, replace the live version copy um, with, with the asynchronous version of the copy. Um, now, in the situation where um, we're recording it or getting it after it's finished, 
the amount of time that it takes to process for Clipper is 50% of the length of the video. So okay. if a session is 60 minutes, it takes you know 30 minutes for Clipper to at least process it to the point where it's actually usable and, and searchable. Um, there's still additional workflows that are happening behind the scenes, like speaker identification, but we, we no longer gate that. Um, long, long ago, we used to have like 48-hour turnaround and then 24-hour turnaround. Now it's just 50% of the content. Um, and as stuff finishes, the stuff becomes available and people can immediately access it. That's fantastic. And of course, like any technology, no, I presume that over time, that time is a, is only going to reduce, you know, the quicker that, you know, that the, the system can process data, you know, the better the hardware is, you know, over time, you know, five, 10 years time, this is, is going to be a, a pretty uh, quick process, I would have thought uh, that's going to be continually reducing as a timescale. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Moore's law at work. Absolutely. Uh, something that really jumped out me there was the word enrichment. I, I, I love the way that you described that. I was looking for the right way to describe, you know, what goes into these videos. And you're absolutely right to use the word enrich and enrichment, you know, because that, that's what you are doing. You're taking this already valuable content, this video content that everyone can access now at any point just by reaching into their pocket and pulling out a device. And yeah. you're, you're enriching it. You're making it more valuable by reducing the amount of time. And, and I just thought it was worth just stressing that for a moment to really sort of dwell on, on that word enrichment for a while. And, um, yeah, and, and, and the way we look at it, whenever we see recorded video and whenever we see like thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of hours, we just see a lot of trapped potential. And we see Clipper's role to like unleash that trapped potential. Um, mm -hmm. And the enrichment allows for um, more selective and personalized viewing. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if, you only care about 5% of the content, um, then we want you to find that 5%. And then if there's another 5% that you didn't know you needed to know, we want to give you insights into the other 5%. And so if you get 10% engagement out of that recorded video, we actually view that as mission accomplished because it's 10% yeah. more than zero and you actually <laughs> avoided the need to wade through 90%. Mm -hmm. Now, the other point around um, Enrich is that today, if you think about it, when people record video, zero moments are being identified. You have the title yeah. and the uploader. Um, and so for us, we view it as the topics and subtopics is a starting point where we're identifying 50% of the moments. And then the reason we position Clipper as a video analysis and management platform is that we provide the tools for people to help us find other types of moments that they value at scale. And so if someone wants to um, you know, discover a higher moment or um, a light bulb moment, or like a key positive customer moment. These are all very different things. And as you get more training data, we're able to do that in a more automated manner. So right now, I think a lot of what we're focused on in this first wave around um, Clipper's adoption cycle is really around usage and adoption and education. And so once we get that, then we have, um, you know, we can actually double click into higher value moments. Um, because right now, I mean, for, for enterprises, we charge like $5 per user per month. Uh, and, you know, it's not a lot. Um, yeah. It's designed to be, you know, basic utility for, for everyone to tap into. Um, and so that model is, is consistent with kind of a land grab to get as many people to, to use and experience Clipper and also tell their friends how much they you know, benefited from it as well.
Humphrey, um, you mentioned earlier uh, about the, the the possibility of integrating with things like Salesforce and using some of the analytical data that, that that's clearly going to be generated from this. Um, are, are there are there partnerships in place already? What are some of the sort of the, the, the obvious uh, sort of cross-platform pollinations that uh, Clipper would lend itself nicely to? Yeah, on the um, the horizontal side of Clipper means that a lot of the tools that event organizers use. Um, enterprise users also use. And so we have a Zoom integration that allows for simplified ingestion of video from Zoom's cloud, as well mm -hmm. as the physical MP4 files. We also have an integration with Google Drive, which allows for simplified ingestion of everything inside that Google Drive. Um, for instance, if it were like all hands meetings, you could just connect that to your account um, and then turn on AutoSync. AutoSync should be here within the next week. Um, and that'll allow for, for that to automatically start uploading it, whereas before you had to basically uh, select each thing. We also have um, a Microsoft OneDrive integration, um, and we built that in preparation for the new Microsoft Teams integration for Clipper. So Clipper, um, you know, we're, we're going to be debuting a freemium program for all companies where Clipper is going to actually support all-hands meetings for all companies of all company sizes. Um, which means we'll support four hours of indexing every month and up to 50 hours of history because we want like another land and expand where within the company, people experience Clipper, they start to realize, oh, wait, I could use this in my higher value meetings. Um, we don't expect 100% adoption inside the company, but um, you know, the all hands content ends up being one way to kind of get to market more, more quickly. Um, now, we also have a, a partnership with Salesforce and that's very much focused around video voice of the customer. And so when someone, um, you know, the new way of work is uh, customers and are, are recording customer or um, platforms are recording customer and partner meetings. And as, as much as headquarters wants to be out in the field listening to what um, the customers are providing them feedback with, they just don't have the bandwidth to do that. And so mm. they asked for us to identify key positive moments and key negative yeah. moments. So now this video voice of the customer can actually be part of the opportunity record within Salesforce. And so it allows for, um, it solves for the fact that uh, oftentimes the field is accused of sugarcoating or exaggerating. And now you can actually find the actual, actual moment. Mm. I I'm... I'm curious to ask you whether or not you think that Clipper now has the ability because of what it does to actually shape the content that's being created and allow event organizers and the people who they are inviting to deliver content at their events to rethink how they're going to do it. And by that, let's put it into some simple context because Clipper gives you this possibility of enriching the, the opportunity to enrich the content by putting these key points in so that people can then search for it what i'm talking about is the people delivering those sessions really making it clear within their session what the different topics are maybe defining the elements and the sections of their session maybe a little bit clearer to allow clipper to work even better and generate that content on a leave more accurate basis can you see clipper shaping the way people think about the content that they may be delivering yeah, totally. at an event? Um, i think what you're describing is uh clipper's commenting feature so within our comments inside of the video you can comment on any individual video frame um, throughout the whole video um, right. And so that is very, very powerful because if you think about it, YouTube and Vimeo 
when you comment on their video, it's a, it's a comment on the whole video, not a specific portion of the video. So, so it allows for collaboration to occur because at that point, um, the person who's receiving no notification about the comment can then reply and or the event organizer will see that comment and change the, the content. And so if there is sufficient re-engagement with the data, then the things that people are watching and the things that people aren't watching literally become the cues around which content to prioritize and which content not to prioritize, which is also why it's so important to, to drive re-engagement through rewards, through prizes, um, and have someone you know, who owns your community to be tasked with this because it, it won't just happen by itself. Mm. And this, I, I suppose, to, 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 to put it again in, in terms of how I'm thinking at the moment with it, what Clipper is doing and what it will do is solve part of the problem of event organizers extending the life cycle and the lifespan of their event beyond the physical. And this is something that marketeers have talked about for a number of years now is if you run a two day annual event, how do we extend that and engage with our audience on the other 363 days of the year? Yep. <laughs> Excuse me. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and we're, we're working on a new feature called Clipper Reels, Reels, which is actually a derivative of our bookmarks because we want people to, to be able to pick and choose which topics or subtopics they want to share with their community. Um, and so that it, it ends up being bite-sized enough that, that it becomes more bingeable as well. Uh, bingeable, another great word. We've had enrichment and bingeable is great because that's what we do. Once we once we find content that we love, whether it's on Netflix or YouTube or whatever, we do binge it, don't we? Facebook's clever. You watch a video about a certain you know, uh, you know, a guy grilling a steak on his barbecue. Suddenly you're bombarded with videos of other people, you know, grilling steaks. And that, that is what we do, don't we? We're, we? we're in a bingeable society now. Yep, yep. And, and now we're talking about making everyday events content more bingeable um, because, you know, it's, it's the beginnings of that flywheel where when people engage, we all learn. When we all learn, we all benefit. Um, and then at that point, we can recommend things for, for people to watch as well, um, you know, depending on the privacy settings. Um, and so, you know, for, for us, uh, you know, we we'd actually do view kind of like Netflix as like a guiding light on, in terms of like how to, um, you know, maximize you know, recurring re-engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the, the, I suppose the, the, the final point I, I'd like to, to make today, Humphrey, before we start wrapping up is... Um, the audiences and how audiences program their time and their schedules at a particular event, whether that be attending remotely via a, a laptop or a mobile device, or whether that be in person, we, you, you talked about content that's pre-recorded and a lot of keynotes being pre-recorded. And when you are looking at something like Event Tech Live, again, I'll use our own example, people, at, attendees will look at the schedule They'll look at the program of content and they'll identify sessions that they think are relevant to them and the ones that they would like to watch either in person or via um, the virtual platform. If you can then subdivide those sessions into specific topic areas, it actually gives those attendees so much more flexibility and the opportunity to actually dive into even more content in that short period of time. Yeah, Maybe by dipping right. in and out of certain sessions at key moments that they know are going to be relevant to them. 
Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Because basically, when you create a team inside a clipper, and if you make it public, um, that any video inside of the team that you've created is actually an embeddable iframe. And so in that exact scenario where the session is there, whatever the link currently is, you can just replace it with the Clipper iframe link and that'll be a personalizable link. It won't prompt anyone to um, you know, create a Clipper account. It'll just allow them to watch and see the benefits of it. Um, and if they want to create a Clipper account, they can, but it's, it's, not, it's not a requirement. We're, we're trying to minimize as much friction as possible. Mm. We've been talking on the Event Industry News podcast today to Mr. Humphrey Chen, who has very kindly taken some time out of uh, what sounds like a furiously busy schedule at the moment um, to talk to us about um, Clipper, this fantastic piece of technology that's come to market very recently that um, is going to really, as we've discussed today, enrich the video content that most events now are putting out, given uh, the situation that we found ourselves in the last 18 months, given the prevalence of cameras and streaming technology that we've all got at our events now, and particularly given the amount of virtual events that have been delivered via you know, simple platforms like Zoom or Microsoft Teams or more complicated streaming platforms. Um, I think if you've if you've understood anything today, you've understood the power, not just that, that we know video content already has, but of its ability to be able to be sort of subdivided and enriched even further and allow people to, to really access that on a more specific level. Before we wrap up today, Humphrey, um, please do give us a, a bit of a, a, a guidance as to where we find out a little bit more about Clipper. Tell Tell our podcast listeners how they find you guys. Yeah, so um, you can go to clipper.ai. Uh, Clipper here is spelled C-L-I-P-R.ai. Um, you can also email uh, partnerships at, at clipper.ai. Um, and you can also go to um, our initial launch partners, uh, Grip, Notified, and, and Brightcove. Each of those have already done work together with us. Um, and so there's already a bit of a head start. We're working closely with the other event platforms. Um, and so if you'd like us to accelerate uh, our integration with them, we're happy to, to do that as well. Fantastic. And, and I'm sure there'll be people listening to the podcast today, Humphrey, who've experienced of Grip because Grip is the platform that the, the, the Event Tech uh, live team use um, to deliver you know, the, the, the virtual side there. So I'm sure people who are listening to this and watching this today will, will have experience of that. And also just to just to sort of put a, a final sort of point at the bottom of what Humphrey just said about getting in touch, um, all the social media platforms as well. If you search for Clipper, C-L-I-P-R, you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, etc. There are platforms there. So please do go and check the guys out. And as I said early on in today's podcast, there is a great minute and a half video on their website. So go to clipper.ai and just watch that video because it surmises everything really well and then uh you know uh, you will get it you will absolutely get it because that's how i got it um humphrey it's been great to have you on the show today thanks for sort of being my my first guest back in a while as well after uh, yeah, a bit of an extended of break uh, it's, it's, it's been great to talk to you and um i'm sure everybody will be watching um you know it, it intently to see how this develops um and, and see how this particular element can work with their events over the next uh, few months and indeed uh, and indeed years um it's been great talking to humphrey on the show today of course if you're watching this particular content hello to you it's great to see you all again um if you're on eventindustrynews.com already watching this head over to some of the other pages on the uh, eventindustrynews.com website check out the 
the latest news features and supplements whilst you are in the website. And of course, the flip side to that is that you may be listening to this as an audio only podcast via your favorite podcast platform. If you are, head over to eventindustrynews.com and don't forget that you can check out the latest videos and historic videos from all of our previous podcasts if you head over to eventindustrynews.com. And that brings us nicely to the end of today's episode. It's been fantastic to talk to Clippers Humphrey Chen, who's joined us today very kindly from New Jersey. A very good morning to you. And uh, the holiday season is upon you over in the States. So happy Thanksgiving to all of our friends over in the United States. And uh, we wish you all well and hope to see you again soon. Humphrey, thanks for joining the podcast today. I'm going to wrap things up there and we'll see everybody next time on the podcast. See you all again soon, guys. Thanks a lot.